So you mentioned your struggle of trying to fit in, and then you gave a little more about how you went through them. What were what was one big thing that inspired you to keep going and trying to keep on trying to fit in with the people, but also stick with your religion and also keep, stick with your roots? Um. So, you know, looking back at this, I remember um, what I used to do when I was younger um, in high school, even in college. I had a couple of close friends. I used to visit them during during Christmas. And on their Christmas, I would bring gifts to them, right? Because they're my friends. And they would reciprocate that on Eve, right? They would reciprocate the same thing. And at, at one point, I... I said to myself, you know, it's, 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 I shouldn't visit them anymore. Right. I, I, I shouldn't visit them anymore because it may be construed as something negative. And, and, and I didn't even ask the question. I just made the choice on my own and, and to a, to a certain detriment that because as I pulled away, what did my non-Muslim friends do? They also pulled away. Mm-hmm. And in that separation, the most salient, I guess, or, or the most, pivotal change was the the fact that I was a Muslim now, or I was a, a really conscious of my faith. And they, and when they looked at that, like you're pulling away from us because, and this is how they construed it, like, because of, is your faith asking us to separate from us? Is your faith asking us to, to see us as something less or something other? And I didn't have an, I, so young at that point, I didn't really have an answer. I even asked about that. I felt weird. So you know, later on, I asked, this is after a while back, I said, you know, the worst things I told my friend, the worst things I did was pull away from them because I felt that I had to, in order to solidify my faith, I had to separate from them, mm-hmm. right? And my friend Haitham, um, you know, he identified, he's like, you realize they're human beings just like you. You realize when when the people were in Medina, as as they were being buried, this, this they would still they would still get up, right? And and the hadith was at one point it was it was a person of not of a Muslim of, of the Islamic faith, right? And they so they didn't. The Prophet was meant to talk to them. Was, Why aren't you getting up? He's like, well, he's, he's not a Muslim. He's like, isn't he a soul? Right? Isn't he a soul? Isn't he deserved of of your your? And he there's a level of com- camaraderie in terms of our humanity. So this concept of humanity and understanding that. Yes, they may be not of my faith, but, and it's not my duty to convert anyone. It's not, it's not our, it's not our duty to convert. It's our duty to show ourselves in a light that identifies positively with what we believe. And, 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 and the fact that I stopped going um, to their religious, um, just, I used to go to their house in the morning, like, Hey, you know, you know, uh, you know, my friend, Brad, you know, and I give him a gift and he would give me something. And then on, on, on Eve, they would reciprocate that, right? And that, and that stopped it. And I look back at that as a moment where I should have, and I learned from that. Like I, I have to be able to endear my, in an environment that we live, we live in the United States. We live with people who have different faiths. We have people, live with people who have no faith, but they are still human beings that I have to respect in order for them to reciprocate that respect back. And for me, and it doesn't matter whether someone's Muslim, non-Muslim, I'm going to be the exemplar of my faith in that manner. So that if I'm, if they, if they, you know, if they see me as a Sman Khan or they see me as, as, as a Muslim, I want them to, to correlate and associate 
my actions with my name and who I am with my faith so that if they see something on the media that runs completely contrary to that, they go, no, I have, I have dealt with Muslims before. He's a Muslim. He's not that. He's a Muslim. He runs, it's, there's a huge disconnect between what I see in his behavior and his actions, as opposed to what the media, what, what's, what's on the news. And so, and, and that for me has been this constant, like, I, I try to bring back my old friends. I want to connect. And this how this, this pandemic has allowed me to do that. We could connect through Zoom, right? And, and they know who I am and they know what I am. Um, and so it, it allows us to be able to kind of formulate those bonds. And still, even though they are them, I still conduct myself you know, as a Muslim. I won't curse in front of them. You know, I won't talk about certain things in front of them as a recognition of still of my faith and the respect of my faith. Um, and in, in, for example, in, in college, you know, I, I didn't cuss and, 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 and I had a couple of friends who were cussing in front of me and one of them hits the other one on the chest. So stop. And these are fraternity guys. These are fraternity guys. Hits the other in chest. He's a stop cussing. He doesn't cuss. It's disrespectful. So the, the impact that it had, right. And they saw that as a, a, a great um, accomplishment that if you don't cuss or curse as teenagers may, right. And college students do as something to respect um, and not to look down upon, you know, and that's like this, this, um, this natural intrinsic goodness that all of us have that when we see goodness, we respect game, you know, game, recognize game, you know, that we respect that goodness that we see in each other. And especially if they see me as someone who is not repulsing them because I think I'm holier than thou or better than them, whether they were Jewish or, or Christian or Buddhist or Hindu, whatever the case may be, I'm going to give my respect to everyone and be, an ex- like I said, an exemplar of my faith. So they understand Islam through, as a, and we are all, whether we realize or not, representatives of our faith. We all are. So why can't we be the exemplars of that faith in, a, in an environment which is so diverse um, and so um, you know heterogeneous that we need to respect that and we need to live like that? So I look back at what my friends, my my core friend was talking about, and saying, "Look, they're all human beings. Respect them. regardless, respected them, right?" Um, and so that basic core concept really drives the way that I deal with anyone. Muslim, non-Muslim. Um, and alhamdulillah, I mean, like I was able to return back to my friends and still give them that, that level of respect. And, you know, on Eid, they'll say, you know, uh, you know, Eid Mubarak or whatever, you know, whatever. But it's something simple that they recognize the Islamic faith. They recognize it as part and parcel of, of, of our culture. Um, and as a, as a friend to them, I, I, I show a different lens, uh, something they, something they, they haven't seen. Um, like subhanAllah, when, when um, in 1995, the Oklahoma City bombing happened, right? Oklahoma City was bombed by, by two um, domestic terrorists, Timothy Vey and, I, and I, the other name I forgot. And I remember the moment, I remember the moment, um, and this is part, this is before I was a little bit more reformed, right? but they knew who I was. I was always a Muslim to them. And I remember walking in and um, they said, one of them said, um, your people did it. I was up. Like, it's like, it's like my people. It's like, what do you, what do you mean, my people? Well, he's like, well, there was a bombing in a in a federal building, and it must have been, you know, it's it, you know, walks like a duck, talks like a duck, must be a duck, like literally. 
And um, that part of me, like, and, and me even finding more about my faith, I was like, that's not, that's not, that's not what I learned. That's not what I learned. It's not how I learned it. Right. And it was in stark opposition to my understanding of faith. Um, and, and, and that all these things build up. Right. And so you, you, you remember that all the time and you go, I want to be, I, I want to, to show people that we're not that even, and that was by the way, erroneous. It wasn't even Muslims who did that. Right. Um, SubhanAllah, even before that, even before that in high school, I used to go to my friend's house sometimes for dinner, non-Muslim, whether we're Jewish, Christian. And um, although I didn't know too much about my faith, right? I wasn't, I, I, mean, I mean, I knew the basics of it, uh, but I definitely didn't know the political landscape in the world. And I def- definitely didn't know how the political landscape intertwined with religion to create this, 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 um, the conditions that people find themselves throughout the world. And so I remember eating dinner with, with this family who I frequented their house very often. And, um, and my name is Osman, right? The American version of his Osman, right? Shorten that up. And that's, and that's Oz, right? So they always knew me as Oz. That, that's a name I had for the longest time. Uh, and still my old friends still call me Oz. Mm-hmm. And she says to me uh, out of nowhere, out of absolute nowhere, she says to me, and I'm 16 at the time, and I've been in her house before. She's known me for quite some time now. We both play on my, me and her, her son play on the same baseball team in high school. And she says to me, and she's like, I don't know where. She's like, Oz, how can you be part of such a violent religion? I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, look what happened in Palestine. They blow themselves up. I, I as a 16-year-old who has no idea about the, the socio-political uh, or, or, or just, po- just, just politics, global politics, I have no idea. I, I was shocked by that statement. I was like, oh, my God. Again, that association of something of, of, of terror um, and, and, um, and belligerent behavior of, of a Muslim around the world. And I, and I, and I recall saying, I, I don't think, you know, uh, Mrs. So-and-so, I don't think it's, it's a real case of religion. I think it's a... It's an issue of land uh, um, acquisition, or I said it differently, right? So maybe it's, I think it's different land resources. But all those points that happened, I didn't know how to respond effectively, but all those points, you know, mirrored back to the fact that I don't know enough about my faith, right? And planting that seed again, right? Like I need to, I need to move forward. I was still proud of, of, of our Palestinian brother for defending their land, homeland. But it wasn't the issue of, of, of violent. They weren't violent people. There were people who were defending a land. And that's all I understood. And so as I grew, and by the time I got to college, you know, all those, those thoughts and ideas came into, culminated into my own reformation and understanding that what my faith represents is starkly in stark contrast to what is portrayed out there by other, by other people or the media for that matter. Um, and so those pivotal moments then defined how I reformed myself by my junior year and um, really, really wanted to become more active and not just like practicing faith through a religious lens, but an active one um, where I wanted to protect, you know, even pr- protect the, the identity of Muslims here in the U.S. and, 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 and abroad. Um, 
sorry to go back in the in the timeline. There's like the movie Tenant, right? Where the two the two timelines are moving at simultaneously, right? So, but those were the those were the hard things that really, really um I had to kind of find my own ways to deal with. And then by the time I, I got to college, um the, the support system that I had around me really, really helped me get into the faith a lot stronger, a lot better. Um, and it made it more comfortable. And and I was comfortable in my own shoes for the first time in a long time as a Muslim. Just completely comfortable in my shoes. Like I, I felt I had a home. I felt I had people who understood our plight, our struggle, um, and were willing and 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 able to work with each other to move past a the stereotypes and redefine what people saw in us. Um, and alhamdulillah, I was proud. And and like I would wear my kufi. <laughs> I would talk to my friends about faith. I had a roommate. I had a roommate. And one night I was talking to him. He told me like, you know, so what is it? He was Catholic. So I was telling him about, about Jannah. I was telling him about Allah. Azawajal. And he's like, you know what? He's like, well, that sounds so awesome. He's like, if I ever become a better person, I want to become a Muslim. And I remember that conversation. And, and it was just, it was just, we were just about to go. Sometimes, you know, when you're in your, in your dorm room and you just talk to each other before you go to bed and you're just like, subhanAllah, it's, you know, and, and, and I just wanted him to have a different image of what Muslims, what Muslims were. Um, and so those were pivotal moments and that, that helped catapult me into, into the faith and, and, and it's Allah, alhamdulillah got stronger and stronger every year. So before I ask my last question, since Ramadan is around the corner, I want, I was wondering if you could tell us one or two ways you are planning and trying to take advantage of this Ramadan being during COVID. SubhanAllah, Ramadan. Um, I was just telling a friend, you know, they were saying, oh my God, Ramadan's coming around the corner. And it was kind of scared, right? Oh my God, Ramadan's coming, right? We should be happy that Ramadan's coming, number one, right? It, it's, it's definitely a time to connect with Allah and it's definitely a time to, to really reflect on, on who you are and where you are, right? And, um, you know, one of the things I've found interesting about Ramadan, it's a time to purge. Purge, whether it's, it's actions or thoughts or ideas, uh, behaviors, but I always find it purging in the day and then a different kind of purging at night, right? So we purge ourselves from food, almost the level of starvation. And at night we, be, we, we, <laughs> whatever we lost, we gain and regain. Right. And, but what Ramadan, I mean, at least for me has always been is a point of um, it's a cathartic experience to let go of certain things specifically things that are um, detrimental to your own growth um, and detrimental to your own progress as, as both a human being and as a Muslim. Um, when I, the first time I started, the first time I fasted, I was fully, the full month, I was 21 years old. And it was a phenomenal experience. And um, alhamdulillah, it was, it was something that, and again, it, it, it was made possible by the friends and the, and the, and the group of people that I had around me, mm-hmm. they made, I mean, every night we were together, uh, every night we got together every night, whether it's the masjid or someone's house, it was, we did. And then, and it wasn't just, and it, we didn't necessarily just eat. We ate and we prayed, <laughs> we ate and we prayed. This was this, 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 this practice. That was my first Ramadan. The second Ramadan, I realized eating, not eating and not drinking water is actually a lot easier than you think. And that's the base fast. It really is. That's the base fast. Like, okay, water and, and, and food is, is a something that 
um, that's easy to actually overcome. Coffee is a different story, but water, <laughs> water and food, it's easy to overcome. But that year I made, I made a commitment myself. So as I could talk about baseball, um, when I was in high school, I started doing something called um, chewing tobacco, all baseball players do it. Right. And I was, and again, someone who is um, someone who looks up to baseball players or other people and people around you in, in your community, you're going to pick up certain habits and vices. And so chewing tobacco, I picked up. And so it's, it's, it's basically, it's, it's a, it's a form of um, uh, it's a form of tobacco, but it's placed in the mouth. Right. And I understood that that was probably not beneficial from a, from a standpoint of health. I knew that. But to, to quit was extremely hard. Once habits or things are formed that become addictive in nature, to kick them, extremely difficult. And so I said, okay, I'm going to move beyond the base, the base Ramadan, which is food and water. And I'm going to now incorporate things that I do not want, um, that I do not want to be part of my life anymore. And I understood what was, I knew I shouldn't be using that. Um, and so I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to stop cold turkey doing that. Now, tobacco itself can be like, you know, smokers, right? It's hard to give that up. And at 22, something that I had trouble kicking for, the, for years prior, I took that on as a, um, as a thing that I needed to expel from my system both not just from my, from physically, but spiritually as well. I said, okay, culture, I'm stopping. I'm going to stop doing, I'm going to stop it. Literally that commitment, that day that I committed towards it, the the day that I committed towards it, I never did it after that ever again. And I saw the Ramadan as a way to reform and reconstruct, not just your, your, the faith and your connection to God, but in order to kick out certain habits that exist within that may not be complete haram, may not be the best things to do, mm-hmm. right? Gluttony, right? Eating too much. That's, that's also part of it, right? But I saw that, that I could kick out certain things and I had the power to do it. And Ramadan was the, the, the enabler. It was the agent that gave me the agency to, to really um, repel these things easily. And and I saw that, wow, I, I, no matter, it was, it was the will, it created the power to the will to make something happen, right? And Ramadan itself is to help create willpower. And, and, and the idea then is to then, your, your litmus test for a successful Ramadan is do you return to the habits that you expelled in Ramadan, right? Alhamdulillah, no more. I was 22 years old. I am now 46. Alhamdulillah for that entire time kicked habit. And for me, Ramadan is beyond, it's, it's, it's definitely a time to connect, but it's also a time to reflect and take, um, take into account an audit yourself as a human being and as a Muslim and audit yourself in, in relationships to other people, right. To forego the, 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 um, you know, the, the, uh, uh, I guess the, uh, the anger that you may have or the, you know, the, the relationships, are you going to mend them? Right. That's literally, that's Ramadan is the mending of things. You're mending your relationship with God. And if you mend your relationships with other human beings, you know, that in of itself is a testament to, to Ramadan. I think the higher order, 
Ramadan. The food and water is base. Alhamdulillah, Allah you did it. Great. Good for you. You got to do that. That's mandatory. But then there's the, and, 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 and that's something everyone can do. Children can do that. But if you're, you want to get to a maqam in the sight of God, then it's rejecting those things that you know could be on the, on the brink of right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And even food, for example, right? Food, we're rejecting it. But then at the end of the day, are you purging back what you purged away? Are you now, is it now gluttony and sloth? Is it is now you're filling your stomach with? No, it should be the idea that I do not need as much as I do. And people gain weight. People, there's people who gain weight during Ramadan, right? Something's not going right there, right? There's a disconnect, right? And and alhamdulillah, it's not haram, mm-hmm. right? But literally, to 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 recognize what you know, denying yourself certain amenities and certain um, certain pleasures and luxuries during the day. So when you engage in the night, there's a, definitely like you should know how much now to in- ingest, and hopefully you lose weight in Ramadan. I know that's one of my goals is to probably drop a few pounds, right? But the idea then is to then definitely take that, and 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 after it's said and done, what happens on day one post Ramadan? What happens on day two? On day three? On day four? Are you going to also maintain the practices of ibadah that you were able to keep up? in relation to the behaviors that you are trying to reinvent and trying to repel and, and, and reconstruct. That's for me is Ramadan. And it's, mm-hmm. I mean, I told my kids a while back, um, we used to give khutbahs when I was in New Orleans, Pasadena. It, Ramadan is like two things. Number one is boot camp for the Muslim, right. And to really, really bear down and, and, and really rough and tough it out. And secondly, it's like an endless pot of gold. Are you taking the ajr from it? And pocketing and putting in your bank account, right? So that when you go to Allah Azawajal, you can say, I did X, Y, and Z. I did it for you. I did it because I knew it would make you happy. Um, and so let me into Jenna where I can get the ice cream that my mom told me I would be able to get when I was little, right? That's literally, it's literally, and, and, and again, I think, but more so than anything, more so than Jenna, something my mom did from the very beginning is do you want to make Allah happy? That's why when we return to Allah Azawajal, Right, the, can, I think beyond Jannah is the fact that he's happy with the work that you did is is beyond any anything you get in in heaven, and Subhanallah, you know the upper levels of heaven, you get to meet with Allah much more often than you would if you're in the lower level. That should say that should tell us something, right? That although you can have and those are the moments that we cherish, those are the moments we are going to cherish. And although that, I mean, alhamdulillah, there's nothing wrong with being in the lower level of heaven, but if you can get up top and you're able to meet with Allah Azza wa Jalla, because I have a lot of questions for him too, right? I need, I, need, I need some answers, right? And to be able to meet with him so often, that should be the, the, the pinnacle of our, our faith and the, the essence of why we do anything. You know, there's, and, I, and I'm, not, uh, I'm not as, as um, you know, as eloquent in, in understanding certain, certain poetry, but there's, a, uh, but there's a specific poem, you know, that says that, um, um, it talks about, you know, Allah, I don't do it to avoid heaven. Sorry, I don't do it to avoid hell. I don't, I'm not good. I'm not being good to avoid hell. And I'm not being good to gain your jannah. I'm being good because it may, it's making you content with my soul and who I am. And, and since we came from Allah, we came from Allah, Adam, the, the ruh was blown. He is the one, his, his, he is the, uh, his essence will provide us the most happiness that Jannah could never provide in and of itself, him, himself. And so at the end of the day, 
just want to make God happy. Right. So for the sake of time, if, if you could say something to our youth, what would it be as an inspirational thing? Inspiration. Um, you know, I would say, um, I think we're, we're very hard on ourselves as human beings. And we always think that we have to live these perfected lives and in perfection, there's a saying, popular saying perfection, the greatest enemy of good enough is perfection or perfection is the greatest enemy of good. And, and sometimes when you feel like, oh, I'm not good enough or I'm, I can't do this, then you let the entire thing go. Be easy on yourself. Like, honestly, be easy on yourself. Take things slow, take things easy in terms of, of how you, even practicing of your faith. Um, I think it's, <laughs> we live in a very, you know, we live in a world that's, um, that can become, and I say this in, in, in a very, hopefully in a, in a metaphorical sense, masochistic, that sometimes there's pain that we feel in, 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 in a sense that that pain needs to help give us some definition of who we are, but that pain can be debilitating and they can, it can force us to deviate because we think we're not good enough or God will never love me, or I'm, I'm such a bad person. I can never be good. I can never be this. The Sahaba weren't perfect. Sahaba weren't perfect. They had faults. They had, they made errors, but they were also quick to return to Allah and Allah was quick to return to them. Right? So one of the things is just be, just be easy on yourself, right? Be easy on yourself. Um, find people. And here's another thing. Find people around you that can help you become better, right? If you know that this group of friends, especially teenagers, right? If this group of friends is deviating and leading you down a path, you know, it's not going to be fruitful. It's not going to lead you to an end of that, that you know is not going to make God happy. Make the ah, number one. And God will place before you people who will lead you out of the, you know, the, the dungeons of your own despair, right? And, and the, the hollowness of your own existence, God will lead you out of that. You know, have the intention, make the dua, have the intention to become good. And if you're, if you're, and you're not doing it for anyone else, you're not doing it for Amiyaji, you're not doing it for your mom and dad. You're not doing any of these things for them. You're doing it for yourself and you're doing it for Allah Azza right? So take it easy on yourself. Don't be so critical of, of living this, this, you know, this perfected life. It's, it's not the, the lives on Instagram or Facebook. These aren't perfect lives. These are flawed individuals. We just can't see behind the lens that we see people in, uh, or through and know that um, your, your true sustenance and your true happiness and not just happiness, but contentment and, and, and joy and exuberance is going to come through your connection to God um, and, 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 it, and it comes through a, a dialogue with him. The dialogue is first having that connection and everything else will follow suit. If you have the genuine dialogue with Allah, he will lead you down a path. He will put into places things. He will put into your path, people, situations, scenarios, and gifts that will help you avoid what's wrong and go into what's right. 
So Jazakallah, Brother Osman, for joining us today and everyone else for tuning in. See you next time, inshallah. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Thank you for watching today's episode. Be sure to check out our other episodes as well as our Instagram page at Baraka Broadcast. Email us or comment down below and let us know what you think of our content. And if you have any questions, see you next time, inshallah.